Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. So I'm Pastor Christelle Ferry, and together with Matthew, my husband, we lead this church. And I'm very excited to be here today. And I feel that God has put a message on my heart that I'm a little bit nervous about, but I think God's going to do something here today. And um, so we are in a series, uh, like my, uh, Justin has mentioned as well, in our church we're doing a series um, in Malma as it is in heaven. And that's also our vision statement. Let it be in Malma, in our church, as it is in heaven, which was inspired by the Lord's Prayer. So when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, let your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we want it to be here on earth, in our church, in our lives, as it is in heaven. Now, when I started out preparing for this message, and I think actually when we chose this as our vision statement, I don't think we really knew what we were getting ourselves into. There's so much more to this than what I expected, and I don't think, I think I only touched on some of this. So there's so much more to this. So I want you to challenge you today to open up your hearts and to let God speak to you and do something new in you. So open up your heart so God can do a work today. Um, so when Jesus came to earth, his, his message basically on earth was about the kingdom of God. Like the kingdom of God is here. And he says it's good news. It's good news that the kingdom of God is here. He's proclaiming the good news. But if, I, if we just look at what is happening in the world at the moment... I don't know if you feel that you see that the kingdom of God is here. I mean, if we just look at the latest that happened in Turkey, the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria, you know, it doesn't, if you see those things happening, you don't necessarily think, okay, God's kingdom is here. But God is working. Jesus is working. Um, if I've heard an account um, I read about a testimony um, from a boy, a five-year-old boy that was res uh, rescued out of the rubble um, under the, in Turkey, in Syria. Um, he, he was under that rubble for 100 hours. And when the, his rescuers asked him, so were you not hungry? Uh, didn't you get thirsty? He's like, no. Every now and then there was a man that showed up uh, dressed in white and he would give him water and food. So God is so involved in his creation. He is the one who saves us. He's, he, Jesus is in control. It is his kingdom. He is here. He's committed to saving his people. And it, it's said in the Bible, I mean, that these things have to happen before Jesus comes back. There's going to be earthquakes, there's going to be war, there's going to be all these things happening before Jesus comes back. And we're praying for God's kingdom to come, right? So I don't know how I should feel about these things happening. So it's a bit of a struggle within me. 
how I, I need to respond and feel about it. But let's look at the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is here. What, what does the kingdom of God actually mean? What is the kingdom of God? Or it, um, the kingdom of heaven. So um, if you read the Gospels, uh, uh, Matthew mentions the kingdom of heaven. The rest of the Gospels mentions the kingdom of God. It can be that Matthew says heaven because that is the place where God it's basically the place where God reigns. So he is referring to God, but because of his reverence for God, because God is holy, he's Jewish, they can't even say the name Yahweh. So he rather refers to it as the kingdom of heaven instead. But it's the same thing. It's the place where God rules. So God's kingdom. And for us to understand what is the kingdom of heaven, I think we need to start right at the beginning. So right at the beginning, in the beginning, where God made the world. That's where we're going to start. Um, yes. So in the beginning, where God created the world, he created the world good, right? He created us, and he gave authority to us humans to govern the earth. So we rule the earth with God. That's how he created it. But then you all know the story. Uh, that we corrupted the world with our sin. We didn't want to, we wanted autonomy from God. So we didn't want to submit under God, people. They wanted to build their own kingdom. They wanted to be in charge. So the kingdom of the world that it often speaks about in the Bible, it, that kingdom is the kingdom that humans have built. It's, it's a kingdom yeah, that, that is a lot of full of sin and a lot of bad things that are happening. And because God is holy, he cannot have anything to do with anything that's evil. So now, I think there's a, there should be an image on the screen coming up. So now we have a situation where we have an area where God's living, like God's kingdom. And then we have an area where we live. There's a division between us and God. Yes. So, everything good in God's kingdom, and then the kingdom where we live is, you know, ruled by humans, you know, all the bad things that are happening on earth today. That's because of our rebellion against God. That is the kingdoms of this world that we are ruling. But there comes a time then when Jesus comes to earth. So, Jesus arrives on the scene. And if you show the next picture... That is where these two worlds then kind of start overlapping. Heaven coming to earth. Jesus starts doing miracles. He starts healing people. He starts loving people, encouraging them, doing good in this world. He's bringing heaven to earth. And then if we see the next picture, so... He starts going around these little pockets of heaven he creates on this, on this earth. You can show the next one as well. And if Jesus lives inside of us, then there's going to be little pockets of heaven. When we're going around doing good, doing his will, there's pockets of heaven creating here on earth through him. Heaven is coming to earth. And one day, Jesus is going to come back for his bride. And then the whole world will be 
then heaven is going to come to earth completely. The, uh, the earth will be completely restored like he intended it to be. So that is the core message of the kingdom uh, of God, that he is coming back for us. And in Matthew 4, it says, um, so Jesus' core message about the kingdom, and, and he says that, um, Jesus says, he, he started, Jesus began preaching, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of God is near. And in some translations, it says the kingdom of God has come or is coming soon. So the kingdom of God is here. Jesus has arrived on the scene and the kingdom of God is here. So let's just go. When is the first time we read about a king in the Bible or the, that Jesus is called, um, God is called or referred to as king? The first time we read that in the Bible, that is in Exodus 15. Uh, and that is when God rescues his people Israel out of Egypt. So they are under um, Egyptian, under the Egyptian king Pharaoh's rule, an evil king, a worldly kingdom, uh, and they're under his rule and oppression, and they cry out to God, and he rescues his people. And once he has rescued them and they come out of that country, they sing to God a song. They worship him. And that's where they refer to God as the king for the first time. So they refer to God as the king. And a kingdom, if you think about a kingdom, a kingdom normally has a king. And then you have people in the kingdom, the subjects. And then you have an area of the kingdom, the place where this reign takes place. And that place can be a physical place or in our case, it could be maybe our hearts, that, that, that God reigns in our hearts. But now, Israel was delivered out of slavery, out of Egypt, uh, out of Pharaoh's bondage, and they now came into God's kingdom. So now God gives them laws. This, if, you need, if you want to live in my kingdom, this is what it looks like to be a kingdom participant. This is what it looks like to be a, 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 a to belong to this kingdom. You need to act in a certain way. These are my laws, and you know what happened? That they couldn't fulfill the laws of Moses. It it was impossible. They sinned and they just fell short every time. So God then gives and speaks through the prophets, and He says, "There's one day there's going to be a king coming, that's going to bring restoration to all this mess." that the human kingdoms have done. And this king is Jesus that they were pointing to and saying that this king is coming. He's going to come and he's going to confront all the evil that from this human kingdoms. And he is going to defeat that on the cross. And Jesus did that. He came and he defeated all the evil of mankind on the cross. And now he is inviting us to live in his kingdom, to live under his reign. So we have a choice now. Are we going to submit to him, live under his reign, or are we going to live in this kingdom of this world that we've created? Because God is on a mission taking back his kingdom, his world that he has made. 
So God's, uh, Jesus is teaching that the kingdom of God has arrived. That is good news. That is good news. God is taking back his kingdom. But that leaves us with a decision, like I said. We need to decide who is our king. And whose kingdom are we going to live? Now, before you quickly just make your decision, just hold on a second. If we turn to Matthew 4, uh, or Matthew, Matthew speaks in Matthew 4. We don't have to have it on the screen and read. I'll just... Uh, Jesus basically, in Matthew 4, he starts calling his disciples. And so he's creating a kingdom people. And he's telling them, okay, this is how, what it looks like to live as kingdom people. He's, uh, and he says that if you, if you want to follow me, if you want to come and live in my kingdom and be my disciples and follow me, this is what it looks like to be a kingdom people. You will have to redefine the way that you used to live. You will have to redefine your life goals, your priorities, your identity. You're going to have to change your mindset and adopt the kingdom mindset. So Jesus started forming a new people, a new kingdom, when he was here on earth. And he's given us an opportunity to respond and decide for us. Who is going to be our king? Who is ruling our lives? And if we're honest, there is someone that's ruling your life. It's either you or it's God. So someone is ruling your life. You need to decide who is your king. Because a kingdom cannot have two kings. There's only one king. So who is your king? A kingdom, so the kingdom of God makes up people that have surrendered to him. So the question again, who is your king and in which kingdom are you living? So today, some of us might make some big changes. Some need to make smaller changes, but I believe that all of us we will have to make some changes. So I want us to be open. I want you to open your hearts and allow God to speak to you today. What is it that you can bring to him and lay before him? What is it that you need to surrender? What changes do you need to make um, to participate in his kingdom? So what does it look like to be a participant in the kingdom of God? And there's an upside-down kingdom. I don't know if you've heard that. Upside-down kingdom. It's completely different uh, than the kingdom that we are living in at the moment. It's completely different. You have to completely change the way you think if you want to live in the kingdom of God. So this upside kingdom of God, what does it look like to be a participant? One example could be a radical commitment to reconciliation and forgiveness. Um, like that would mean, uh, for example, forgiving someone that you feel really doesn't deserve it. And no one actually deserves it. Uh, it's by grace that Jesus gave all of us. But you might feel, no, you cannot forgive that person. It is coming to that point where you forgive someone, maybe. 
or um, where you're the least, and you go and make this first step in repairing a relationship. Now, I've heard testimonies coming from the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship uh, course, um, spirituality course that we uh, are offering. The previous one, how where people, where God has done a work in people's hearts, and where people have, where re, uh, family relations has been restored, or where some, uh, people have been, God has put it on their hearts to take that first step in bringing reconciliation in families. So that is one example, what it looks like to live in this upside-down kingdom of God. Another one could be re-evaluating the way that you spend your money. God might put in your heart um, to give to someone, a specific person or to, a, uh, to the needy, to give some, give some of your money away to someone. Or he might press on your heart that you need to start trusting him that you need to start trusting him with your finances, that you need to start trusting him that he is your provider and that you need to submit under him. And if he tells you and gives you a command to give your tenth of your income and bring it into his storehouse, that you would submit under the king and do it because of fear and reverence for him. So what does it look like for you? What changes is it that you need to make to live in this kingdom of God? And this is a really tough message today, and I'm, I'm just, this is my introduction. So, it's gonna, um, but basically what I'm, what I'm getting to is, is that, <laughs> what I'm getting at is that God wants our whole hearts. He wants everything. He wants our hearts. And that is what, yeah, so that is what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. And Jesus uses parables then. So I'm going to get to the parable. We, I'm going to um, read out of Matthew 13 today. And there's a few parables there, but I want to focus on the parable of the wheat and the weeds. So Jesus uses these parables to come alongside his teachings, to make a point, to explain something. So he's comparing something that we understand and know so that we might better understand what does the kingdom of heaven look like. And what does it look like to participate and be uh, one of the um, people of the kingdom of heaven. So let's read out of Matthew 13, 24 to 30. So the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And I should have chosen another parable because it's such a tongue twister. The wheat and the weeds. So there we go. Um, so Jesus told another story. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted seed in his field. But that night, the work, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and then slipped away. When the crops began to grow and produce grain and weeds, um, the weeds also grew. The farm workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer explained. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do that. 
Let them both grow together until the harvest. Then I'll tell the harvesters to sort out the wheat, tie them in bundles and burn them, and we will, we will put the wheat in the barns. Okay, so he told this parable to the crowds, and then later afterwards, these disciples came to him, and he, they asked him, so Jesus, what did you mean with this parable? And Jesus replied, so the son of man is the farmer, so that's Jesus, who plants the good seeds in the field. The field is the world, and the good seeds represents the people of his kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of this world, and the harvesters are the angels. So just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this world. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and garnishing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone with ears... Let them hear and listen and understand. Okay, so Jesus already explained this parable, so I don't know if I need to do it now. But basically what Jesus is coming at here is that he is sowing seeds. And there's an enemy, and our enemy is not the people. It is the dark forces behind that that's influencing the people to do evil. And we, we believe him because he, he's, he's, um, he's lying to us, telling us to doubt God's character, just like he did in the Garden of Eden. And then we choose to do evil instead of good. And he wants all of that evil, he wants that out of us, because he cannot have anything to do with evil. And then when the workers ask him, okay, so should we pull out the weeds? And he's like, no, because they look very similar. And I didn't realize that I, when I prepared, I saw a picture. Unfortunately, I don't have a picture to show you now. So you'll have to go home and Google it. But the weeds that they were referring to here, it looks very similar to wheat. You have to wait until it's full grown before you can see a slight difference. So God is a good judge of character. We are not. We are not good. What he's saying is that we are not good judge. We don't have good judgment of people. We should leave the judgment up to him. He is the judge. Our job is just to plant the seeds. Our job is not to judge. So that is what he's trying to say to the, to the farm workers. Don't wait. I do the judgment. Wait until the end. And now... In order for us to, to read a, a piece of scripture, you can't just read a few verses out of the Bible. You need to read everything in context. So that is why, I, why I'm saying I'm going to go through Matthew 13, the whole chapter, uh, because we need to read it in context. Well, we don't, we're not going to read everything. I'm just going to tell you about the parables around this parable now, so that we can understand what is God actually saying to us here, because it 
kind of influences what God is saying. But um, so I'm going to go to those parables now. But what what God is trying to say here is that we should leave the judgment up to Him. Hypocrisy. It is when we we view ourselves better than what we actually are. We think of ourselves better than other people. We see other people's flaws, but we don't see our own. So, the, the seeds, the first parable that precedes this one that we've just written, it's about the seed sower as well. So it's also seeds that are sown. It's a very well-known parable. You probably all know about this one. It's, it was taught in Sunday schools. Uh, if you grew up in church, you know that the, the sower went out and he s- sowed seeds, and they all fell on different grounds. And depending on what type of ground they fell in, some, you know, didn't even take root. Some took root, but then there was corruption. You know, the world, things of this world, kind of took your attention away from God, and then your roots didn't go so deep, and in the end, you didn't survive. It was a small percentage of the seeds that actually took root and shot up and produced a harvest. So that was the one parable just before this one. And then the two parables after this one, it's, it's kind of similar. The one is about the mustard seed and the other one about yeast. Now both of them, the mustard seed is a small seed and you plant it and it grows into this big tree. And then the birds come and they make nests in this tree. The yeast one, the same. It's yeast, it's small, and it grows. You know, it can really grow and, and make dough, like, expand. And if you read this, you might think, oh, this is, some believe it is to do with the kingdom of God, like, expanding. But some scholars actually believe that it is a warning to the church and to us as believers. The same with um, the, the parable before, where the seeds were show, sown and the birds came and they ate up what God has sown. So be careful. The church needs to be careful and wise that corruption doesn't come into our hearts. Uh, like with the birds that ate, ate up uh, the seeds that has fallen on the, the good ground, it's also with the birds that made nest in that tree. So it said the mustard seed grew up, became a tree, and there came birds that made nests in it. Now in the Bible, birds are evil. They, they're not good things. Doves are representation of the Holy Spirit. But in general, crows and birds represent something evil. So there was evil that came to make nest uh, in this tree. And with the yeast as well. If Jesus refers to yeast. I mean, he speaks about the yeast. He said to his disciples, be aware of the yeast of the Pharisees. So yeast is corruption. It's often, it's not, necessarily, it's not a good thing. So these parables around this parable, Jesus might be warning us about corruption and to check our own hearts, to see and be careful that corruption does not seep into our hearts. That we don't think of ourselves better than what we actually are. 
We are saved by his grace, not by something that we do. And I want to pray like David prayed in Psalm 139. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting. And I want to pray that prayer. God, come, look in my heart. Is there anything that is not of you? Take it out. Remove it. Because I know I'm sinful. I know I need him. And, I mean, God created this world good, but there's so many, uh, so many bad things that we allow for it to seep in. Just take our tongues, for example. With our tongues, we worship God. And we also, with the same tongue, we might gossip about someone or we might say something bad to someone. So there we are, hypocrites as well. You know, it says in James 3, 6, And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is the whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. For it is set on fire by hell itself. So it's a warning. We need to be careful how we live. And Jesus wants to confront evil. He wants to get evil out of God's good world. All evil, abuse, sexual uh, uh, trafficking, all these evil things, that is, not, that is not how God intended it to be. That is from the human kingdoms. And Jesus wants to expose this pride in our human kingdoms. And he is committed to dealing with his people. He is committed you know, to complete the work that he has started in you. He is committed to, to like the harvester says, they wanted to uproot the evil. He's committed to uproot that evil in your heart if you allow him to do that. So I want to challenge you today to open up your heart that God can show you what is it that, that you need to lay down before him. What is it that he needs to work at? And then the next two parables after that is about how much God actually loves us. So God is not condemning you here. You might feel like that right now. But God is not. He loves you so much. So this, the next two uh, parables, the hidden treasure and the merchant. So there was a man that found a treasure and it was so wonderful. And there was a man that found a pearl and it was so great that both of them sold everything. They gave everything they had just to get that treasure or that pearl. And this can be a picture of, of us discovering Jesus and giving up everything to follow him because his kingdom is just so awesome. His love is so great. But I think it's also a picture of Jesus, that we are his treasure, and that he has given up everything on the cross for us so that we can be a part of his kingdom. So it, God has such a great love for us. So I don't want you to sit here feeling condemned, but I do want, I want you to understand how much he loves you. But I also want you to 
um, because when I prepared for this message, I was overcome with such a holy fear and reverence for God. God is coming back one day, and I want us to be ready. And then the last parable, it's very similar to the one that we focused on today. It's about the fishing net. So I'm going to read there from verse seven, uh, 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net um, that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up onto the shore, sat down and sorted out the good fish um, and put it into craters, uh, but the bad ones they threw away. That is the way it will be at the end of this world. Angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous people, throwing the wicked in the fiery furnish, where there will be weeping and garnishing of teeth. So there's going to be... It, did I say it wrong? Oh, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> I see him smiling. <laughs> but there's going to be a day of reconciliation. And there's going to be a day where you're going to stand in front of the king and you need to give an account of the way you lived your life. And all these parables, they're very similar. So they, they, these two type parables are telling you about the end of the age, what is going to happen at the end. But also telling you how much God loves you, that he is so involved and committed that if you open up your heart and allow him to do a work in you, he, he will do that. Can the band please come up for me? Because God says he desires everyone to be saved. God wants everyone to be saved. And like Matthew um, preached last week about banquet. Now there was a parable where Jesus told, you know, Go into the streets and invite everyone to my banquet. You are invited to participate and be a part of God's kingdom. So it's up to you to make the choice. Who is going to be your king? Are you going to join his banquet? Are you going to submit under the king, under his reign? Or are you going to build your own kingdom? So the kingdom is open for anyone. And I want to ask you today if you know which kingdom you're a part of. And every journey, every decision, or every journey starts with a decision. So you, in order to journey somewhere, you need to make a decision to do it. And if you never have never made a decision to follow Jesus, if you've never made Jesus king of your life, I want to give you that opportunity today. So after the service, when we're done, you can come forward for prayer. And I'd love to introduce you to Jesus. And then maybe you have given your heart to Jesus. He, he is your king. But there are, there are some weeds in your heart that needs to be uprooted. And I want to, in this worship session, I want you to bring that to him. Open up your heart to God so that he can do a work in it, that he can show you what is it that you need to bring to him. Because we all, like I said, we all fall short of his glory. We all have something that we can bring to him. 
And if you want me to pray with you after the service, um, I'm going to be here. You're welcome to come forward for prayer as well. So Jesus died for you. He loves you so much. And if he looks at you, he sees wheat. And this is not because of something that you have done. It's because of his grace and mercy. So we can't boast of our salvation. We can't judge others. We can't be hypocrites and think we're better than what we are. Because it's only by His grace that we are saved. It's only by His grace that we are viewed as wheat and not as weeds. So this is the summary of the kingdom of God, the gospel. That there's a king that reigns. It's coming back for His people. And He's reigning not with a sword, but by love, forgiveness, and resurrection power. So let us pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May we, your name have a, that we will have a reference fear for your name. And may your kingdom come soon and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. May your kingdom come in Malma and your will be done here. May your kingdom come in our church and may your kingdom come in our marriages and in our families. Let it be in our lives as it is in heaven where you reign. We declare and crown you king today. We praise you and honor you. All glory belongs to you. It's only because of you uh, that we are forgiven. It's only because of you that we are set free. And I pray, Lord, that you will give us today the food that we need. And you will help us uh, to live as your kingdom people. And forgive us our sins. Forgive us for thinking better of ourselves than what we ought to be. To. And help us uh, to forgive those who have sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. In Jesus' name, amen.